Hi everyone, welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of The Horse. Tonight, our topic is internal parasite control programs, and it's brought to you by, by Biomeda. It's that time of year throughout much of the US, the grass is starting to get green, pastures are growing, and horses are back on turnout. It's also that time of year many of us remember we should probably have a fecal egg count done on our horses to see if they have an internal parasite burden. That's right, they need a test. Gone are the days of the rotational deworming program that we did every eight weeks. Now veterinarians recommend regular testing and tailored parasite management programs. It can be confusing, right? Especially for those of us who've had horses for a long time. To help us out tonight and answer our questions, we're joined by Dr. Ray Kaplan, who is a parasitologist who helped author the American Association of Equine Practitioners Parasite Control Guidelines. Welcome, Dr. Kaplan. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Kaplan, can you tell us a little bit about your experience helping horse owners manage internal parasites and why this topic is so important for horse owners? Uh, when I started at University of Georgia about 20 years ago um, start in, in veterinary parasitology, I started focusing um, early on looking at uh, equine parasite control and particularly uh, drug resistance, which was becoming a problem back then, but really wasn't very well recognized. So I did a number of studies. Uh, to identify the problem and measure the problem. And then along with that, try to develop strategies uh, where we can control parasites better than we were before, but also help control the worsening of the drug resistance problem. So I've been working um, with equine parasites uh, really all along since for the last 20 years. And, and before that, uh, when I was in practice, uh, I did it a little bit differently in that I wasn't a parasitologist and I was just a clinical veterinarian. But of course, uh, dealing with parasite issues was a, was a regular issue when I was uh, in practice as well. Great. For everyone who's listening, I want to give a quick review of the Ask the Horse Live format. We're going to be starting with the questions everyone submitted during registration. If you have a question you'd like to ask live or you would like clarification on one of Dr. Kaplan's responses, you can enter it in the chat window in front of you if you are joining us via your internet browser. Uh, we're going to do our best to get to as many of your questions as possible. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay. So. To frame the conversation, uh, first, Dr. Kaplan, can you explain to us what a fecal egg count test is and why that's important uh, in our parasite control programs for our horses? Okay, we uh, uh, we can't see the parasites in the horses, or we, and we can't measure the number of worms that the horse has. Um, but what we can measure are the numbers of eggs that are passed in the feces. Uh, of the horse, which rep which reflect the the level of worm burdens that the horses have inside, uh, and so so the correlation of uh, of egg counts and worm burdens um, isn't isn't super super close, but there's a general general correlation there. So horses that have very low egg counts are going to have relatively lower worm burdens, and horses with very high egg counts are going to have much higher worm burdens. And by doing egg counts, then we can we can identify those horses um, that are the, the, the less infected and the more infected. Um, and we can also, the other thing that egg counts are really, really important for is determining if treatments are effective. Uh, one thing I should say about egg counts though is the egg counts only reflect the numbers uh, of small strongyle parasites. The egg count does not really, re doesn't reflect any of the other parasites um, that potentially can cause problems in horses. So when we talk about egg counts, we're really focused specifically on the small strongyle aspect. Okay. 
So we have a question from Ann in Colorado, uh, and she says that fecal egg counts in her area are expensive. She wants to know if it's worth doing them if a horse's weight is good and they have no symptoms of a worm burden or are exposed to other horses. So as you answer that question, can you point out to us what the clinical signs are that, that a horse might have a worm burden? Well, the interesting part is that most horses aren't going to have any symptoms at all from uh, from their strongyle infections. Um, so actually a starting point for the conversation is that really for the most part, um, worms are overrated um, as disease cause causing um, organisms. Strongyles really are not very severe pathogens and they rarely cause disease unless they reach very, very high levels. So the question really, in a sense, can be flipped around. So if egg counts are expensive, is it really worth doing them if the horses look good and have no symptoms? So, I, so the way I would flip that is, if the horses look good, they have no symptoms, why would you want to treat them with a dewormer? Um, and, um, and, so, and so that's where the egg counts really become important, because we want to deworm the horses if they indeed have a significant worm burden. And the only way we can know that is by doing the egg count. We really can't tell by looking at the horse. By the time the horse gets an infection that's so severe that it's actually causing symptoms, it's, it's way, way too late. Um, and so we don't want to wait that long. <clears throat> Likewise, just treating without determining if they're, without doing the egg counts isn't, very, isn't a good idea either because a lot of the drugs that are, that are used, most of the dewormers don't work very well against the small strongyles. Drug resistance is extremely common. And so if you're not checking egg counts, then you're not determining if your, if your treatments are working. Um, and so you're actually um, really keeping yourself in the dark uh, and putting your horse at risk for disease later on. So Dr. Kaplan, we have a question from our live audience. Raven wants to know if fecal egg counts don't show uh, more than one uh, type of worm, are they worth doing? Um, yes, they're worth doing because the, the small strongyle is the most prevalent, the most common and, uh, of the worms. Uh, and so fecal egg counts are, shouldn't be the only factor used for making a decision about deworming a horse. <clears throat> um, and I think we'll probably get into this a little bit later. Um, but when, when we're talking about deworming horses, the horses should be dewormed without regard to their egg counts once or twice a year, right? Without because their egg counts is only reflect, reflecting the small strongyles. So we want to treat horses once or twice a year to cover all the other parasites. But really, once you get beyond one or two treatments, then there's really no need to treat for those other parasites. Um, and then after that, we're only going to treat those horses that have high strongyle burdens, as indicated by their egg counts. So are there other kind of tests that can be done to indicate other parasites are present, like tapeworms, for example? Um, there, is a, there is a blood test uh, that can be done for tapeworms. However, uh, it, only, it only tells you if the, if the horse has been exposed to tapeworms. It doesn't tell you if the horse actually is infected at, at the present time. So it's not a very useful test uh, on a horse-by-horse -horse basis. It can be useful maybe for a farm to find out if they have on the farm, but it's not going to help you make a decision about whether you need to treat a given horse. Um, so, so really, there's there's really no other um, 
diagnostic tests we have available other than checking a fecal to determine which parasites are present in a horse. We have a question from Dawn in North Carolina, and she wants to know if pulling fecals and deworming per the results are, if you're doing that, um, if there are any undetectable parasites that need to be considered treated in other ways. And I think we've just touched on that already. Uh, do you have anything that you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, you can just follow up a little bit on what I said previously, that uh, that there's undetectable parasites. For instance, um, the large strongyle parasites are much more uh, important from a disease standpoint than small strongyles are, but they're very, very, very uncommon uh, in managed horses. And, we, and we, we rarely see them. Most farms don't even have them present. Uh, you know, in feral horses, we see them regularly. So, but any, any managed horse property where horses are dewormed on a periodic basis and, and have been over a number of years, we simply just don't see the large strongyles anymore. Um, so, but, but we can't tell if they're there by looking at the egg counts. And so that's, so we wanna treat a horse um, once or twice a year to help prevent the large strongyles from, from making a comeback, um, which, which if we stop deworming horses, that could happen. So that's, that's, that's one thing. Also tapeworm, uh, tapeworm eggs are, are, are um, not commonly found in horse feces. Uh, it's kind of a hit or miss thing. Uh, only if a horse is really heavily infected with tapeworms are you likely to see tapeworm eggs. And so horses, in my view, should uh, should all be treated once a year for tapeworms, whether or not um, you see any uh, tapeworms. So essentially, what my recommendation is that, that all horses should have a kind of a baseline protocol. Um, and depends upon where, where you live. Um, whether and other factors in terms of how many horses, how much grass is available, and so forth. You know whether whether once is enough, or you should go with twice. But but really, most horses, if even just twice, two treatments a year, uh, with with something uh, highly effective and broad spectrum, like ivermectin or moxidectin, uh, will serve um, as a really good baseline program. Um, and the ivermectin and moxidectin will also kill bots. And if you if you use the the, the the product that is combined with Praziquantel, so that would be um, the the gold products. Um, um, those uh, then those also would get tapeworms because Praziquantel is a drug specifically for tapeworms. That it, that some of the ivermectin and moxidectin products or the sidectin um, gold or plus uh, uh, and the uh, um, and the and, and the dect max um, um gold i forget i i work with with the with the cattle and sheep and goats and then the, the, all the names are so similar i, I get it mixed up whether it's plus for gold but yeah but uh, yeah yeah well and so you mentioning that twice a year uh, is a nice segue into this next question we have from sharon um that came in right before we went live um sharon says that her vet recommends deworming with a moxidectin and praziquantel product on Christmas and then following up with ivermectin on July 4th. So kind of using those holidays as, as markers um, and then doing fecals before and then three months after the treatments. Is this a correct approach? Um, she's been doing rotational deworming for 30 years. So it's a radical switch for her. Um, so what do you what do you think of that approach? Where was the questioner from? She's from Texas, Northeast te Texas. Okay, so per, um, personally, I would say that that um, half of that is, is is good and half of it's not. The because um, the timing is totally the the best timing is totally dependent upon 
where you're located because the climates are so different in different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. The the um, strong giles uh, do not survive and develop well on pasture during the summer in the southern part of the country where it's where it's hot in the summer. So so I would say my view would be in in July that ivermectin treatment would not be what I would recommend. But January giving them oxydectin or prosequantel would be exactly what I would recommend because you're going to that's going to be kind of uh, where it's it's cooler now. Um, so bot transmission um, should be pretty much over for the year. Tapeworms, tape, remember tapeworms are transmitted by little soil mites. And so when it gets cold, even in the south, when it gets cold in, in the wintertime, even though it's warm compared to the north, it's usually too cold for those mites to be very active. And so tapeworm transmission will stop as it get, as we go into the winter. So so treating and so anywhere anywhere in the southern half of the United States, basically treating kind of between Thanksgiving and New Year's would be a really good time to treat with something like uh, ivermectin and prosequantel or or moxidectin and prosequantel, so you can get the broad spectrum action where you'll get any large strongyles that are in the horse, you'll get the tapeworms, you'll get the bots, and you'll also get the small strongyles. So you're kind of covering everything with that treatment at a time of the year that's really optimal. For, for getting rid of bots, getting rid of tapeworms, um, and, there, and thereby that'll help have less bots and less tapeworms the following spring by doing it then. Yeah, and Dr. Kathleen, I think Sharon makes a, a really valid point that she's been doing rotational deworming for 30 years and it feels radical to her. Do you have anything to help ease her uh, concerns as she changes from her traditional rotational deworming program to one that's more targeted? Well, I think the starting point would be is that um, uh, I think the concept of a deworming program is a very, very archaic one uh, that's no longer um, really applicable uh, in, in, in today's world. Um, for, first of all, for several reasons. One is that the rotational deworming program was, was actually developed uh, in, at the University of Kentucky for the purpose of specifically addressing the bloodworms, uh, large strongyles, strongyles vulgaris, which is a very, very dangerous worm for horses. Uh, it can cause severe disease and colic, and that was the most important parasite of horses back before the 1960s. About 90% of horses were infected with that parasite at the time, so it caused a lot of problems. And that program was designed specifically to address the large strongyles, particularly the bloodworm. However, Years and you know several decades of using this rotational approach um, had basically put the large strongyles um, in 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 um, in really in a really bad state, and so they became very 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 uncommon. But what it did is it caused the small strongyles to become drug resistant. So back in the 60s, when that program was first recommended, and the bloodworms were so important, the small strongyles weren't even considered to be have any real importance at all because they were completely overshadowed um, by the bloodworms. And so what happened over the next couple of decades is that rotational deworming, it did help eliminate the large strongyles, the bloodworms, but it caused, it caused drug resistance to start developing uh, in the small strongyles. And so where we are today is that most of the dewormers don't work anymore against the small strongyles in most of the country. Um, and so if you're deworming a rotational schedule, most of your treatments are not even effective. 
Uh, and so, so you're not getting any benefit. You're spending money. You're making the drug resistance problem worse, and you're not getting benefit. Uh, and the reality is that those, most of those horses don't even need those treatments. Um, and that's why you don't even notice they're not working because they're not really needed because the small strongyles simply don't cause very much disease. And, and so, 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 so switching over from a rotational program to a more targeted program, it's not simply you're using less drug, but you're using, you're using um, treatments in a more appropriate manner that are going to actually get the job done um, much better, but with much fewer treatments. Uh, so we have a question um, from uh, Sarasha um, in our live audience, and my apologies if I've mispronounced her name. I believe that she's joining us from Thailand because I remember seeing her name in the registration report for this event. Um, she has uh, 500 horses on her property, and she wants to know how many horses are required uh, for an efficacy test per farm when you have that many horses. Uh, so if the horses are managed similarly on the same pastures, then you would only need to test uh, about 15 horses. Uh, uh, and, and that would give you a good representative um, uh, sample of what's happening across the whole group. If they're broken up into lots of separate pastures um, and separate each other, then each pasture essentially is its separate unit. And then it doesn't really matter how many total horses are there. Um, you still have to view each, each, uh, each separate grouping group as, as a separate group. So, so that would be the only caveat. But if there's essentially, if they're, if they're constantly rotated amongst the different pastures, sharing the pastures, then really all you need is for 15 to, or 20 horses um, that have egg counts. Of course, you can't determine a drug efficacy. You can't do a fecal account reduction test if it doesn't have any eggs in the first place. So, uh, so 15 to 20 horses that actually have eggs in their feces uh, would be all you need to get a, to get a really good measurement uh, of the drug efficacy. We have a question from Rebecca in our live audience, and she has a horse that's in quarantine that came from a farm where their program is to deworm the horses daily for three weeks. Um, she said that she's waiting 14 days to do a fecal egg count reduction test on the horse to assistant parasite parasites. In the meantime, what can she do to contain parasite eggs that this horse might shed uh, as it stays in the quarantine pen? pen? Well, if, if it's in a quarantine pen, hopefully um, there's, um, it, it's, it's just a, like a dirt pen. Um, and if it's a dirt pen, then there's no risk of, uh, of parasite transmission. Just picking up the feces um, about twice a week uh, will prevent any uh, parasite larvae from getting out into the environment. And so, um, and so just the hygiene, um, uh, picking up the feces would probably be the best thing to do when you have one horse in, in a quarantine situation. So if you take uh, that manure and put it in your compost pile, do you risk infecting your pastures or is there a way to compost that well so that uh, everything ends up dead before uh, you spread any compost? Yeah, the the, um, the strongyle eggs are very very susceptible to heat. Uh, so if compost uh, is is uh, made properly, so it's reaching a, a reasonably high temperature, that is going to very rapidly kill any eggs. And so it would be perfectly safe uh, to spread it on the on the pastures. Of course, fresh manure uh, or or manure that wasn't that wasn't uh, properly uh, composted, uh, those eggs uh, will will be alive and could be at risk. But but if it's uh, if if it's properly composted, reasonably reasonably properly 
Um, so you're getting uh, some, some good high temperatures in there. Those eggs would be killed quite rapidly and they'll be perfectly safe to spread on the pasture. Uh, we have a question from Linda in Alberta, Canada, and Linda wants to know if you're doing fecal egg tests, how long does a sample stored in a Ziploc bag in the refrigerator keep before testing? Um, we've done, actually, we've done some studies on this, uh, and essentially uh, one week um, is fine. It's really best if, the best thing to do when you collect a fecal sample from a horse in a Ziploc bag is to squeeze out all of the air, um, really get, get all the air out of it. So really squeeze it tight and, uh, and like roll it up um, uh, like a cigar almost, and, you know, get all of that air out. And, and without the air, the eggs can't develop. And that'll actually, so that'll help preserve the, the feces in its original state. And so if you do that and you put it in the refrigerator, uh, you can have, you have at least a week with no problems uh, whatsoever. It's possible you can even go longer than a week, but I don't recommend that. Uh, our next question is from Nikki in Alberta, Canada, and Nikki wants to know if a deworming program can work without the fecal egg exam. Um, I would say no, because again, I, I say a deworming program, we need to get away from the, the idea of a deworming program because deworming programs fail big time because, because of the drugs don't work um, so often on so many farms. So we want, so we really think about parasite control in more in a, in a more holistic uh, fashion, where we're not only where, where drugs are important, the dewormers are important, and they're an important component of our parasite control, but they're not the only component. When we talk about a deworming program, we, we're kind of like removing everything else out of the equation and saying all we have to do is deworm horses with with, with drugs, and then our problems are solved. And the reality is that's not true. Um, we need because the drugs often aren't going to work anyway. So we, it's important to look at the pasture, um, and uh, the, the, the horses have to have enough grass, um, so they're not grazing too low. About 75% of all the parasites are down in the bottom two inches of grass. So if, if horses are grazing down a pasture down so it looks like a golf course, that's really bad. They're going to pick up a lot of parasites. But if the grass is, is consistently at four inches or a little bit higher four to six inches, they're actually going to be ingesting very few parasites. Also, their nutrition will be better uh, if, they're, if they're malnourished. If a horse gets really hungry, it's going, to, it's going to graze all the way up to the feces. Horses normally have a very strong avoidance behavior. They don't like to graze near feces. And so you'll see tall grass growing around the feces in those areas of the pasture where the horses tend to, tend to um, deposit their feces. That should be nice and tall grass. If you can see the feces uh, pretty readily, meaning this grass has been has been eaten down all around it, that means those horses are really hungry, um, and and uh, and hunger will um, will override their avoidance behavior. And the closer they they graze to the feces, the more parasites they're going to pick up. So so controlling parasites has a lot more to do with with um, overall good pasture management. With, with, with targeted use of dewormers is how you're gonna get your best parasite control. Just using dewormers without thinking about all those other issues is, is, uh, is actually quite risky and could lead to uh, diseased horses if, if the parasites get out of control. And I should say that every case that we've seen at the University of Georgia where we have a severe clinical case uh, due to small strongyles, in every case it was from a farm that dewormed very frequently. 
but it turned out that they had drug resistance on their farm and they hadn't been checking fecal, so they didn't know that. And so they thought that everything was fine and rosy, but in fact, they were, there was a storm brewing that they were not aware of. We have a question from Cindy in Wisconsin, and she said that you hear a lot of talk about horses that are heavy shedders. What makes a light shedder? And can you define those heavy shedders, medium shedders, and, and light shedders for us? Yeah, um, so the way we measure the eggs in feces is on a number of eggs in per gram of feces. So we measure out, uh, we weigh out the feces, and there's a few different methods that we use. McMaster is the most common one, but there's a few others we can use. But basically, we can, we can actually calculate the numbers of eggs in one gram of feces. So uh, many horses, most horses actually have very, very few eggs in their feces, meaning that their immune system is controlling the small strongyles. And so they don't need dewormers to control the small strongyles because their immune system is doing it for us. And so horses, we consider horses that are low shedders would be less than 200 eggs per gram. And then horses that have high, that are high shedders, we consider um, more than 500 eggs per gram. This is for adult horses now. I'm just talking about adult horses because the whole concepts um, differ between how we're going to approach parasite control in foals versus adult horses and, and, uh, and yearlings. But in a, this is for adult horses, these numbers. So more than 500 eggs per gram is considered a high account, less than 200 is a low account, and then in between would be two to 500 would be the, a moderate um, egg count. Uh, it gets a little complicated splitting up horses into low, moderate, and high egg shedders. So I think it take, makes it much simpler and easier to implement if you just kind of split low versus high shedders. Um, and then the number that you, sh you should use for a cutoff is, is pretty arbitrary. 200 is the most common. Some people use 100, some people use 300. Um, it, it, you know, there's, really, there's really no evidence that any one cutoff is gonna make a difference versus the other. Um, but essentially what you can do then is you can say, okay, these horses are low shedders. They always have less than 100 or less than 200 eggs per gram. Um, and so they're gonna need less deworming. Uh, and then these high shedders that are always, that have 500, 800, 1,000, 1,500 eggs per gram, those are horses that we have to treat much more often because their immune systems are not doing the job to control the parasites, whereas the low egg shedders, the immune systems are doing it. Okay. And so are there um, some reasons that horses might be um, one or the, the other, like specifically, I'm thinking Cushing's comes up a lot, PPID with horses um, uh, being prone to, to parasites? Uh, mostly it's just it's just an innate characteristic of the horse and it's very consistent over time um, there's a little bit of evidence that like uh, horses with Cushing's um, uh, tend to have higher parasites but there's also been studies that have shown that there's there's no difference that it didn't cause a, 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 an increase in parasites so but it's basically a very strong characteristic of a horse and so what we find is that if you even do one egg count on a horse and you and you and you've waited long enough past the last treatment that the last treatment is not biasing the level of egg shedding, that one egg count on the horse will characterize that horse correctly about 75% of the time as a lower high egg shedder. And if you do a second egg count on that horse and you get the same result as the first, then there's a 90% probability that, that horse is always going to be in that in that category. There was an interesting study done in Denmark where, where uh, dewormers are available by prescription only, uh, and there's no prophylactic deworming allowed. 
So, so they, um, they did a study where horses were only dewormed if they had egg counts of 200 or more. And egg counts were done twice a year. And so all horses that had, had egg counts higher than 200 were treated. If they had less than 200, they weren't treated. And this was a three-year study. So what they found was that if a horse had, a, had no eggs in their feces on two consecutive samplings, the chances that they'd be, have zero in the next sampling was over 80%. If they had less than 200 on two consecutive samplings, so that would be a year apart. Two samplings is one full year apart. Uh, they had about a 90% chance of being less than 200 on the next one a year later. Um, however, um, if they had more than 200 eggs per gram on, on two consecutive egg counts, then the next egg count was, they had still had like a 70% chance that they were gonna have more than 200 eggs. But what's, what's, what's interesting is that the horses that had more than 200 eggs per gram on those first two samplings got treated each time. So they were treated and then they, on the first sampling and then the next sampling, they were treated again. And then the next sampling, they still had a high egg count. Whereas the low egg shedding horses, they didn't get treated at all and they still had a low egg count. So, so what it shows us is that the egg shedding of a horse is very, very consistent and low egg shedders are going to be low egg shedders even if we don't treat them and the high egg shedders are going to are going to be continue to be high unless we treat them often enough as to keep their egg counts lower um we have a question from hernan in our live audience and he would like to know when and how is the best way to treat or prevent insisted small strongels um well, there's no way to prevent insisted small strongyles because that's just a natural part of their, of their life cycle. So any horse that's infected with small strongyles, then those worms are going to go become insisted um, in the gut. Most of them are going to be in the cecum. Um, uh, some will be in the in the large in the, in the ventral or dorsal large colon. Uh, but 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 the insistment is a natural part of their life cycle. So there's no way to avoid having insisted larvae. Um, the problem comes was when you get huge, huge numbers of insisted larvae. So it's really, it's, it's dramatic and remarkable, but horses can have tens of thousands of small strongyles and still be perfectly healthy. Horses can even have a few hundred thousand and be perfectly healthy. When we see horses that, are, that have severe you know, clinical diseases where, where they have diarrhea and weight loss, these horses often have over a million worms. So, so in that situation, which you have basically a complete failure of parasite control in those horses. So, so you don't have to worry about keeping your horses worm-free. That's actually impossible to do. Um, and, and low to moderate numbers of, of worms with the small strongyles simply are, are not really harmful to that horse. And the, horse will, the horse's own immune system just kind of keeps them all in check. Um, and so if you actually do get a problem with insisted worms, then really the only drug that's effective um, is, is Cydectin. Um, the the, uh, the Panicure Act it has a label approval for insisted larvae, but recent studies have shown that it's actually not very effective anymore because of drug resistance. So the, the, only, the only drug right now that, that, that seems to work well uh, against those insisted larvae is, is the Cydectin. And that's the drug that if you have a horse that's showing symptoms of parasitic disease, that's the drug that, that, that should be used. 
Um, Cheryl Live audience says that she's had fecals done for the past three years and they've come back negative, so she has not dewormed her horses. She wants to know if she should deworm anyway and with what and when, and she's located in Maine. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and that gets back to um, uh, to one of the important issues um, is that the the egg counts only reflect the small strongyles. So so we definitely want to deworm horses even if they have no eggs in their feces. Now we're not deworming for the small strongyles. Again, the horse's immune system is doing is taking care of those just fine, but we want to take care of the other worms that the horse can get. We so we want to make sure we're treating once a year to get tapeworms once a year to clean out bots. Um, we wanna make sure that if there are any, any bloodworms uh, or other large strontiles around, even though they're very rare, they're not extinct. So we wanna make sure we're getting at least one treatment in a year to kill any of those, so to not, to not let them um, magnify themselves into levels that would be a problem. Um, and so to achieve those, all the, the goals of, of getting all those parasites, um, the best, the best. I, my view is for for a baseline treatment, a once a year treatment. So a horse like that up in Maine with zero eggs per gram, I would just give a once a year treatment um, uh, with either ivermectin or moxidectin in combination with the praziquantel, uh, and and I would give that um, sometime um, in the late fall uh, after it gets cold. So again, because that would that bots will be done for the year, tapeworms will be done for the year. And then clean clean that out. The, the, the large strongyles uh, will be done for the year. So you're basically, so treat so you, you treat you treat with the, with that with that drug combination, and you're pretty much going to get all the parasites um, that you really have to worry about. Uh, and that's that's probably all that horse is going to need. But I definitely would make make sure that that one treatment is given. Um, we don't want to stop deworming completely just because horses have low egg counts all the time. Sure. We have a question from Sharon in our live audience, and she wants to know if um, all combo dewormers or those with multiple drugs in them are created equal? Um, well, there's there's only really um, two products, uh, two drug combinations available for horses. There's ivermectin and praziquantel, and, and, uh, which, has, which is sold in a few different names, and then you have the, the moxidectin with praziquantel, which is the cydectin um, gold. Um, those are the only drugs that actually come in combination, um, and and they are they're going to both um, they I mean obviously there's there's differences between ivermectin and moxidectin um, they basically are very similar um, in most respects but the cydectin the moxidectin uh, in the cydectin product kills insisted small strongyles the ivermectin does not kill insisted small strongyles so that's one difference. The praziquantel is in both products. It's going to kill the tapeworms pretty much uh, equally. Um, so, so there's not overall against most parasites is not going to be a big difference. Uh, the only difference would be on the insisted uh, small strongyle side. Um, Pablo is listening in our live audience, and he wants to know if drug resistance parasites can pass that resistance on to future generations. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The um, the the, the worms, um, worms, worms are, are, are males and females, so, uh, and they have sex and they produce the offspring, the eggs are basically the offspring. And so if resistant worms mate, then their offspring are resistant as well. Uh, so, so that's how, so that resistance just gets passed on from, uh, from parents um, to, to subsequent generations of worms. 
um, just like uh, just like any other type of uh, genetic uh, uh, trait. So so yes, uh, once once you have resistance in worms on your farm, then then that resistance is just going to continue and just get worse the more and more you treat. So if there's a genetic link in resistance for the parasites, is there a genetic link possible in our horses that are high shedders versus low shedders? Um, or do we know? Almost certainly there is. Um, it hasn't been well um, characterized in horses. We certainly know in, uh, in sheep, where this has been looked at very closely, that, that susceptibility to the parasites is very, uh, very much a hereditary trait. Uh, that can be that can be passed down uh, from generation to generation, and so with sheep, you can actually uh, uh, select, make breeding and culling decisions based upon how wormy a, a given ewe is, or how wormy um, a buck's, uh, I'm sorry, a ram's um, uh, offspring are, and you can actually have subsequent generations have that are less and less parasite susceptible. Uh, in horses, that hasn't really been uh, uh, characterized very well, and it's 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 probably not something that people are going to breed horses based on uh, anyway. But but it most likely is a is a, is a hereditary trait as well in horses. Uh, we have a question from Brenda in Georgia about uh, deworming foals uh, and when that should be done and with which products. But you've mentioned several times that we shouldn't be focused on. The deworming part of the program, but the uh, parasite management part of the program. So, how do we handle uh, these young horses, the babies, uh, and managing parasites in them? It's actually very the managing parasites in, in in foals is actually very very different than adult horses. As I mentioned, the you know most adult horses can get by very very well with minimal deworming. Foals are the most susceptible age. They can get very high levels of parasites, and they also get uh, roundworms, uh, Parascaris. Um, and those roundworms um, can be can be quite pathogenic, cause a lot of disease. So we really want to keep an eye on that um, uh, very closely. So if, if we're going to see disease in horses from parasites, we're going to see it in foals. So, so we want to monitor foals closely. And so doing fecal egg counts in foals is actually much more important than doing it in adult horses. Um, and, and really making sure that, they're, that we're controlling the, the, uh, the roundworms. Now, one of the issues is the, the drugs that, are, that we have resistance to in the small strongyles tends to be um, like uh, the, all of the um, benzimazole drugs. That would be um, anthocyanide, and Panicure Safeguard. Uh, there's a lot of resistance to the to the small strongyles there. Also, Strongid, a lot of resistance to the small strongyles. But there's not much resistance in the small strongyles to to the ivermectin and the cydectin. However, in the roundworms and foals, it's actually completely flipped, where resistance to to ivermectin and cydectin is very common in the roundworms or foals. Um, and, and but but the roundworms tend to be still pretty susceptible to uh, safeguard and anthocyanide and strongid. Um, of course, it varies from farm to farm. That's why you should, every farm testing should needs to be done in every farm. But just as a generality, uh, we see a lot of drug resistance to the ivermectin and moxidectin in the roundworms, but not to the other drugs. And, and completely flipped in the, in the adult horses for the, you know, where the, where the small strongyles are most important. So we recommend 
based upon the life cycle of the roundworms, it takes about 10 weeks for those worms to mature to the point where they're laying eggs. Uh, foals will get infected very rapidly after, after being born. So we recommend treating right at two months of age. So that's before um, that the, the worms will mature and produce eggs. We want, we want to do it then because we want to kill those worms before they can produce lots of eggs that are going to contaminate the environment. Because once those eggs get in the environment, then foals are going to continue to get reinfected. Um, and those eggs can live for a long time. So we want to prevent that egg shedding. So we recommend treating at two months, uh, uh, all foals. And this is where I wouldn't recommend using ivermectin or moxicin. I'd recommend using something like, like Safeguard or Anthocide um, uh, and, and Strongid. And actually, I, my recommendation is to use those together. Um, Strongid along with either Anthocide or Safeguard would be a really good choice. Using those drugs together in combination uh, helps, uh, helps really make sure you get very good efficacy and also decreases the chance that you're going to get resistance to, to either drug. So two months would be the first treatment. Then there was some modeling that was done, some computer modeling um, that was done recently uh, uh, by a parasitologist in New Zealand. And he looked at all the different treatments and how much impact it had on development of resistance. And based upon that, those, uh, those that modeling results, uh, it looked like treating at five months was the best to get good parasite control and, and have the least amount of drug resistance develop over, over years. So basically what we're recommending now is that all foals be treated uh, for the roundworms at two months and five months of age. Um, and, and then after that, um, uh, probably checking egg counts um, um, at about seven, or seven months of age. Once they get to be about eight months of age, they're developing pretty good immunity to the roundworms and, and, uh, and, and they'll start controlling them themselves. So you'll see just without any treatments that once foals get, through, get to be about eight months of age, their egg counts for roundworms are just gonna go way down even if they're not treated. And by the time they're a year old, usually you won't even see any roundworm eggs or, or very, very few. So, so basically what you need to do is you need to control those roundworms in the early uh, months between, between about two and six months um, is really the critical time um, in those horses. Also, I should say is that because roundworms, uh, the Parascaris roundworms, are, uh, are, are so dangerous, and if, if, if foals get very heavy burdens of them, they can cause pretty severe disease, that this is where it's especially important to monitor egg counts and to do the fecal egg count reduction test and make sure that the treatments that you're using are in fact working. Um, I, have, I do know of cases where horses were, were um, Foals were treated with ivermectin um, monthly, even, uh, and they had some very expensive foals die from roundworms uh, because the worms were resistant to the ivermectin. Hmm. We have a question from Jacqueline in Wisconsin, and she wants to know if there are any natural ways to treat horses for parasites rather than relying on chemical dewormers. Um, well, it depends. It, it depends. Um, there's natural ways um, to control parasites, and that's going to be picking up feces. Um, there's lots of ways to do it depending upon the, the, um, the, the, um, the environment the horses are in. There's, um, there's various types of vacuuming systems um, that, can be, that can be pulled with a, with a tractor. There's, there's, there's little scooper things that you can pull behind a, a rider mower. Um, and picking up feces, is, is actually more effective than deworming in controlling parasites. So, next, so you can do that 
without any drugs. Also, as, as I mentioned, monitoring the, the height of the forage, the grass on the pasture, making sure that they're not grazing below three or four inches. You want to get, you never want to have animals graze less than three inches. Uh, four inches would be a better target. When they're grazing down to one or two inches, that's, that's going to be bad in terms of their parasites. So, so there's a lot of holistic things you can do that don't involve any drugs. On the treatment side, unfortunately, there are no natural dewormers that are effective. Um, every natural dewormer that's been tested, whether it be uh, in sheep or goats or cows or horses, has never shown to be effective uh, against worms. Uh, and so that goes for diatomaceous earth, it goes for any of the other herbal dewormers. They simply just don't work. Um, we've done some studies in my lab, some of my colleagues have done studies, and there's yet to be a study that has shown that they really work. Um, we have a question from Isabel, and she wants to know why we can't use injectable ivermectin in horses. Um, actually, when ivermectin was first um, uh, marketed and sold for horses back in the 80s, in the mid-80s, it actually wasn't injectable. Um, but the problem was that uh, a small percent of horses had some severe reactions to the injection. And so it was pulled from the market and replaced with the, with the oral um, um, gel uh, paste, actually. So, uh, so that, and that's why. So most horses were fine, didn't have a problem with it, but some horses had some bad reactions to it. And of course, you can't tell ahead of time which horses are gonna have the reaction. So it was pulled from the market and it's just a safety issue. Okay. Uh, Hernan in our live audience wants to know if there are any new deworming drugs that will be coming onto the market. Uh, great question because uh, the answer is no. Uh, and that's why drug resistance is so concerning and why doing everything we can to, to protect the efficacy of the drugs we have is so important because we don't have, there won't be any new drugs anytime soon. We have the drugs that we have and drug resistance is getting really severe. You know, essentially, the, the thing that's making it, the, the, the lucky thing we have is that the large strongyles have become so rare that they're not a problem. And the small strongyles that are hugely common prevalent in horses are infected with literally, every, almost every horse is going to have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of these worms, but they, have, they just have very, very low disease potential. That's, what, that's what's been um, saving horses from having a problem because drug resistance is becoming, to our dewormants is really get, becoming a severe problem. And we're running out of drugs that are effective. Um, and, and there are no new drugs in development. And so it's hard to say how long it will be for a new drug for horses, but I can say probably very optimistically um, that it won't be sooner than seven years and it could probably be more than 10 years from now before we will see any new drugs. It could be a lot more than 10 years potentially because there's nothing um, for development uh, uh, in horses right now um, and really nothing for nothing new in development for sheep, goats, or cattle either. Um, and it's, it's always going to be developed for, for those other, for, for cattle first because cattle is by far the largest market. The horse market really isn't big enough to, to develop a new drug just for horses. So the drug is going to be developed for cattle first and then also developed for horses uh, probably uh, around the same time or a little bit after. There's nothing new for cattle that's coming down the pike. So we know that we're probably at least 10 years away and, and possibly much longer than that before we're going to see a new equine dewormer. 
which which really is why I emphasize so strongly we have to do everything we can to protect the drugs we have now. And if we just overuse them, continue to overuse them unnecessarily, we're going to get to the point where we have nothing left that works, and then we're going to have big problems. Uh, Joan is in British Columbia, Canada, and she says that her horse only uh, gets to graze when he's hand grazed, and he's never in a field or with other horses. Uh, does he still need uh, to be tested and dewormed? Um, I'm not sure I understand the question exactly, just hand grazed. Um, um, if there's all, all, all worm transmission is going to be occur on the on the pasture itself. So if the horses are, are are depositing feces on the pasture and are grazing on the pasture, they're going to get infected. If they're not doing that, then they won't get any parasites. So horses that are kept in dry lot are not going to have um, uh, any of the intestinal worms. Uh, they still can get some worms that are transmitted by flies, um, uh, but they're not going to get any off, off the ground uh, because those worms require a grass environment. So all the strongyles, uh, tapeworms have to have grass because it's that soil mite that, uh, that lives in the grass um, that has to become infected. And so, um, so I'm not really, I'm not sure I understand the question exactly, but it has to do with exposure to pasture. If horses have ex exposure to pasture where feces are being deposited, then there's risk of, of picking up it's almost for sure they're going to pick up parasites. If they're not grazing on, on grass, then they're not going to pick them up. We have a question from Rose in our live audience, and she wants to know if a daily dewormer is ever a good idea. Um, yeah, it's, it is. It can be a good idea. Um, I My view is it should be used in a very targeted um, um, a very targeted fashion where you don't put all horses on it, uh, use it selectively for horses. So for instance, if you have a high egg shedder, that seems like every, no matter what you do is always shedding lots of eggs, that would be uh, a horse to possibly to put on a daily dewormer. A horse that has a low to moderate uh, uh, egg shedding, it wouldn't make really much sense to me to put that horse on a, on a daily dewormer. Another time where the daily dewormer could be effective if you have your horse stabled um, at a farm that, that does that, that where there's no fecal testing occurring um, and people might be not treating, not, not deworming, or maybe you're deworming with things that don't work because of resistance, um, then uh, you could put your horse on a daily dewormer. If it's sharing pastures with these other horses and you suspect there's a lot of parasites out there, you could put your horse on a daily dewormer uh, and, and thereby uh, protect that horse. But at the same time, with that said, you you need to test and make sure that is working. So the only daily dewormer is the, is the Strange, the Pyrantel. It's sold, you know, Strange is the most common brand name. It's sold this in other generics, but you'd want to test using a full paste version first. Make sure that you're getting very high egg reduction, because if the paste uh, doesn't work, then the daily dewormer is not going to work. And there's a lot of resistance to that drug out there. So you need to make sure it's working. Uh, before you're using it and relying on it. Uh, Karen wants to know if tail rubbing in a horse indicates that it has worms, and if so, which kind would re be responsible for that? Yeah, there's one specific worm that will cause that, uh, pinworms. So pinworms um, live in the rectum 
uh, and, they, and the females will actually crawl out of the rectum and deposit their eggs right around the, on the outside, um, on the skin just outside the rectum. And it's very irritating to the horse, which is going to cause the horse to rub. So if the horse is rubbing its behind, rubbing its tail, and you see hair loss there, there's a strong possibility that the horse has pinworms. Uh, that's the only worm that's going to cause that. Um, we also were seeing a lot of drug resistance in pinworms to ivermectin and moxidectin. Um, so, so if you have pinworms, uh, th that would be um, where I would also recommend using something like the Strongid or Safeguard or Amplicide, something like that. Uh, and again, I recommend um, giving those in combination. Whenever you're using them, using them together gives you the best results. And I recommend doing that all the time. But, but those would be the best choice uh, for pinworms. Uh, Valerie and Marilyn would like to know your opinion on the efficacy of using diatomaceous earth as a dewormer. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, the, the, those natural dewormers um, just don't work. Uh, there's, they, you know, diatomaceous earth has been tested in a number of different uh, studies, different, uh, different uh, animals uh, with sheep, goats, cattle, uh, horses, and this, there's never been any, any um, demonstration that it has any positive benefit on controlling worms. So, it's, so I would say the answer would be no to that. Uh, Debbie is in Texas, and she wants to know if dragging the pasture instead of picking up manure piles is an okay thing to do. Um, that's a good question. It, it, it all depends upon the timing. Um, because the if the if the worms um, can serve can can be spread. Or, I'm sorry. Let me back up. Uh, if you want to do it, if you're gonna if you're gonna drag the pastures, you want to do it when it's hot and dry. Uh, so the larvae that are spread onto the pasture are going to be killed rapidly. If you do it when it's more moderate or if it's wet, essentially all you're doing is taking the worms that are that are concentrated in the feces and spreading them all over the pasture for the horses to get exposed to them. So picking up feces in general is going to be a much better approach. Um, dragging pastures uh, can be a great thing to do, but it needs to be done during hot, dry times of the year, and it's best to keep the horses off the pasture for several weeks after you do it. You definitely don't want to do it during cooler weather times of the year because you're just going to create a big worm problem if you do that. Um, we have a similar question. It's from Brian in Nevada, and, and Brian wants to know how effective ultraviolet light is in killing the parasites and the eggs in the manure. Uh, is it the ultraviolet light, or is it the heat that causes that? It's mostly going to be the heat. Um, ultraviolet light itself actually would kill the, the worms pretty effectively. The problem is that the worms uh, don't expose themselves to the UV light. The, uh, the worms are either going to be protected in the feces, or they're going to be protected at the lower levels of the grass. Remember, so like 75% of the worms are in the bottom two inches of grass. And so, and so that's, they stay there because it's moist, it's protected, um, and, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a better um, environment for them to survive. And so the reality is, although UV light actually would be very good, there's not enough UV light actually getting to the worms to have a big impact. Uh, so it's really going to be mostly the heat and desiccation that's going to be that's going to get it done. Okay. We have a question from Rebecca in our live audience, and she wants to know if you enter a dirty paddock on another property, can you track parasites back home? And if so, uh, can you prevent this by 
disinfecting your boots or um, do you have any other suggestions? Yeah, well, you know, fresh feces, it takes, it takes the parasites um, um, about a week to develop from the egg into the infective stage. And so fresh, fresh manure um, is not going to cause any, any risk, but manure that's, that's, that's been around for a week or more, um, then there can be um, lots of parasites in those feces. And if you get, if you get uh, feces on your boots, uh, then you can actually carry the larvae with you. Um, again, if, if uh, it has to stay moist, though, the, the worms don't do well once they get dried and desiccated. So, but, it, but if it's moist, then you could, you could carry worms uh, on to another property that way. We have a question from Adam in North Carolina, and he has cattle on his property uh, that the horses share pastures with. Are there any parasites that uh, can infect both horses and cattle? And if so, is there any way to prevent that? Um, there is basically one parasite that horses and cattle share, and it's not a very important parasite. So it's it's really of no of no real concern. In fact, it's a great benefit to um, to share pastures with horses and cattle, or to rotate between horses and cattle because they they don't share parasites. Cattle parasites only infect cattle. Horse parasites only infect horses. Again, with this one exception for a parasite that's it's not it's a stomach parasite that's not very common and not very important. Um, and so, but all of the important parasites um, that are very common are not shared between horses and cattle. And so actually, you know, mixing uh, different species on the same pasture or rotating um, cows into the horse pasture and horses into the cow pasture is a, is a wonderful thing to do to control parasites because the opposite species will essentially serve as a vacuum cleaner eating up the worms that were left behind. So, so the horses will deposit the, the worms onto the pasture. Uh, then, then if they get moved to the cattle pasture and the cattle get moved to the horse pasture, the cattle are going to eat all those horse worms and the horses are going to go to the cattle pasture, eat the cattle worms. So then when you flip them back, then the, the, the pastures are already cleaned up by the other species. So it's a really great holistic way to control parasites. And it's, I highly recommend it if, uh, if, if on farms that can pull it off. Yeah. Is that true with other livestock like sheep or goats? Yes. Yeah, basically... There's uh, there's a you know there's there's almost no there's that one parasite species which is, it's called Trichostrongylus but it's, it's just not a very important parasite um, is the only one that's shared amongst sheep cattle uh, um, goats and horses um, and every every other important parasite of horses or of or of uh, the ruminant animals is not shared so that strategy works for for any um, when 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 you have horses involved. It doesn't necessarily work as well if you're rotating the ruminants amongst each other. They can they share more more things, but with horses just don't share parasites with the, with the ruminants. Okay. I think we have time for just one more question. Uh, Pablo in our live audience wants to know if there's any reported drug resistance in bot flies. Uh, no, there is no reported resistance in bot flies. The, the, we only have one drug that works uh, for bots. That's, uh, well, two drugs, one group of drugs, ivermectin and moxidectin. Those are the only drugs we have available currently that kill bots. We used to have some other things that, that would kill bots. Um, they, were, they were essentially in, in the insecticide group of drugs. But, uh, but anymore, we, uh, the only things we have available for bots is ivermectin and moxidectin, and there's no evidence that there's any resistance developing. Okay. 
Okay. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for tonight, and it sounds like your dog's ready for you to uh, go feed him dinner. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. I think they, they're, they're tired. Of, they want me to come back out. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, that, that is all the time we have. I want to thank you, Dr. Kaplan, for joining us tonight um, and answering all these questions. Uh, uh, um, you're very welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Also, I want to thank everyone who submitted questions uh, ahead of time and while listening live. Um, we had some great questions tonight. Uh, I'd like to invite you to join us next month for Ask the Horse Live. We're going to be talking about an important topic, uh, wildfire and barn fire prevention uh, here on the West Coast. We've been dealing with a lot of wildfires, um, and so it's just about that season. Until then, from all of us here at the Horse, uh, we hope you have a great night. <laughs>